0: We went from all of the functionality I have, I mean, from license plating, warehouse management, multiple scanning on a single label and some really good production planning and scheduling, combining information from different modules to one thing. And then we ended with, well, you really need these other platforms part of the time anyway. So I'm a little conflicted on whether it's trying to be a standalone or it's trying to be niche, MRP grown up with more functionality where you really need some more stuff gathered around it.
1: Here is your host, Sam Gupta.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. What is one thing do you know about Salesforce fans? Well, for one, they absolutely love the Salesforce platform, we included. The love is so intense that they will do anything and everything to remain on Salesforce. And why not? There is not a single CRM platform that comes close to matching the depth and object hierarchy while not being as limiting as the ERP systems. But how would you feel about running your entire business on Salesforce? Nice idea, right? Irrespective of whether you'll get Salesforce-like experience on the entire Platform or not, one thing is certain that it will carry a very expensive price tag Salesforce is known for. One such platform that can provide this experience is Rootstock, which started as an MRP but seems to have transitioned into a full blown ERP. But which businesses would be the right fit for Rootstock? In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to discuss major stories in the ERP and digital transformation space in an objective and independent review of Rootstock's capabilities. We covered several grounds, including their no-code, low-code approach, history, and their current strength. Finally, we reviewed their scheduling capabilities, the platforms they integrate with most often their most common customers, in which industry verticals would be most suitable for them? With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you are joining for the first time, this is part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5 30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one vendor or the solution and we review that independently. And along with that, we have a bunch of stories related to ERP and digital transformation that we cover on a weekly basis. For today, we have a very exciting vendor called Rootstock. And you may not have heard of this, but if you are part of the Salesforce ecosystem, I'm sure you know them because they are very well known in the Salesforce ecosystem. So we are going to review how they are overall in terms of their ERP capabilities. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intro. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta. I am principal at Elevate IQ. I've been leading ERP and digital transformation engagements for roughly 20-ish years. We have done a lot of work in the Salesforce uh, ecosystem, Rootstock. We have come across in several locations, not a lot, because they are not the primary ERP vendor. As part of the Elevate IQ, we are an independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm and uh, we help our clients with the ERP selection, ERP contract negotiation, uh, business process, re-engineering, enterprise architecture, business architecture, uh, as well as the ERP implementation. On that note, I am going to move to Phil for his intro. Hi, Sam. Hi, everybody. Phil Kerper with Ringling
0: Business Solutions uh, here in Wisconsin coming to you. Hopefully, everybody's doing good today. Uh, At Ringling, we help executive leadership teams align their core business processes with digital transformation. Uh, I come from uh, several decades in the C-suite, been involved in a lot of ERP implementations, certainly familiar with Salesforce and familiar with this platform as well. So looking forward to it, Sam.
2: Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Phil. Dave, can I ask you to introduce yourself next? Sure. Thanks, Sam. Hello, everybody. My name is Dave
3: Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting business working with leaders in the manufacturing, construction, and cannabis spaces to help them create the systems they need to grow their business. And I come to you with more than 20 years in manufacturing operations, helping to uh, implement many ERP systems. So thanks for having me, Sam.
2: Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Andy, can I ask you to introduce yourself next?
4: Thank you, Sam. Uh, my name's Andy Pratico. I've been involved in ERP software for manufacturers for four decades. I've worked all over North America. I've uh, worked with a number of, well, about a thousand manufacturers, I think, in my career. And uh, I've also seen a lot of failures. So I wrote a book on helping companies how to evaluate and uncover the truth. About ERP system before they buy. Thank you so much for the for inviting me, Sam.
2: Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Andy. And before we start with the first story for today, if you are joining in the audience for the first time, we uh, review your comments and questions. Uh, we are going to be addressing them during the session as we move along. So make sure you are going to be posting your your comments. If you not get to them during the session we'll make sure that we will be uh, our panelists will make sure that they are going to get back to you uh, after the session on that note i am going to start with the first story and the story is coming from our friends at apicor and apicor as we know every session that we have done so far they seem to be acquiring a lot of companies And what they are doing right now is, you know, they are really trying to fill those strategic holes in their portfolio to become the enterprise software company the way other companies are. For example, let's say if you look at Infor, Infor has the complete suite, whether you want to build the best of breed architecture or whether you want to, you know, get just the ERP suite. They have offerings for many different customers. Every customers are going to have different needs. Uh, that's exactly what Epicor is trying to replicate, especially under the new EA management, which is which is a very positive sign. I really like the way Apicor is acquiring the companies right now. There are three companies in the market that are really aggressive at this point of time with respect to their acquisition strategy. Number one is going to be Apicor, number two is going to be Appteen, and number three is going to be ECI, okay? Epicor and Appteen, it seems like they sort of know what they are doing. Appian, I'm not too sure that. The next story is from Appian. So in case of Apicor, what they have done is they have acquired a company that actually does the analytics, okay? And this is going to be slightly more no-code, low-code analytics. And in this particular case, the company name is Grow Incorporation. So the whole idea of this add-on is going to be before this, what Epicor used to do is they used to partner with a bunch of partners. They are going to be doing a lot of BI on top of Epicor. That's going to be dollars for every customer that they go for. Now, what they can do is they can have the pre-built data analytics on top of your uh, ERP. So you are going to have the ERP reports. You might have 200, 500,000 reports depending upon the size of the ERP. Apicore is a decent-sized system, so obviously you are going to get tons and tons of But typically, when you are doing any sort of analytical development on top of your ERP reports, that's typically going to be very expensive. And these tools, such as Grow Incorporation or Tableau or Power BI, these tools make it easier for your in-house developers to be able to build the analytics layer that does not impact your operational layer. So in the, this particular case, they are going to have a lot of pre-built workflows, uh, and then you can combine multiple data sets. I'm pretty sure Grow Incorporation is actually going to have that capability. So not only you are going to get ERP data, but you are also going to get the other data. So now the offering is going to be far richer uh, overall, uh, you know, from the offering perspective. And Ford was already doing this. Uh, you know, they already had burst uh, as part of their portfolio. At every vendor, you talk about SAP, Oracle, you know, the major ones they all have some sort of BI tool as part of their portfolio. Apicor was the only one who did not own the, the BI tool. So now they have the BI tool as well. So in this particular case, uh, gross low-code uh, BI product aimed at average business users. Uh, obviously, that's a sales pitch, uh, but seems like it's easier than other BI tools. That's what they are trying to claim. And although it has capabilities for more complex data analysis by data scientists, combines data integration, data warehousing, and visualization Tools that enable users to create analytics reports. Uh, for data sources, GROW includes more than 150 pre-built data connectors. And these are going to be the data connectors that are going to be touching your third-party system. It could be your WMS, it could be your HCM, it could be your CRM, depending upon where you are getting the, the data from. Uh, you know, they probably would have all the popular ones. Uh, but this is not going to feed anything inside your ERP. This is only for study, okay? Just for the study, you need some of data. So this is going to be pre-built, pre-populated. So obviously, that is going to make the Epicor offering uh, richer. They had a, another offering that they used to sell, but that was partner-owned, as uh, clearly pointed out in this story. So they are saying that EDA, a cloud-based analytics tool built by BI vendor Focus, uh, that's what they used to sell. But again, that's going to be another vendor, another contract. Uh, you know, so now this is going to be much easier for the customers um it is cloud native uh you know that's what every vendor is going for any uh we have seen that uh, in case of bright pearl that sage acquired you know every single uh acquisition that we are seeing nobody's acquiring any legacy vendors uh unless they are acquiring them to kill uh, to gain the mortgage share but that's very rare to see uh the acquisition for the legacy vendor it's that cloud native space is what everybody is trying to grab even though they're Underlying offering, the, the original ERP offering may not be as cloud native. Um, so here, the low code ease uh, of use is a huge advantage. That's what they are saying. You don't necessarily need a SQL developer, but again, I think the way these platforms are constructed, you probably would require some sort of SQL knowledge. Uh, but they are easy to pick up. Uh, you know, again, any sort of analytical tools are probably easier for most, uh, you know, business, uh, they can easily figure that out as opposed to messing up with your ERP system and the master. And some of the analysts mentioned here, they are really agreeing with this, that you no, know, I mean, this is the, this is the place. A couple of things that they mentioned, uh, and obviously Eric Kimberling's uh, name is mentioned here. And uh, he has mentioned three different trends, uh, move to best of breed system. That's right. Uh, you know, that's the the trend that we are seeing in the ERP in the industry Evolution of low-code application, not too sure. Uh, In some cases, that may be applicable. But not for everything. Low-code has a place, but not everywhere. And increasing focus on data and analytics, I think that could be all over the place as well. Uh, But I do agree with the move to best-of-breed systems. Now, I think that's pretty much it. Do you guys have any comments? I can take those or move to the next one. I I think it's interesting that
4: Cindy Jutras is saying... uh, you know, it's great that they can embed their applications for smaller companies, but then not so much for customers that decided to go with the bigger BI names like Tableau. I mean, why does
2: that discount them not using Epicor's new? So here is my take on this. So when you have the pre-built workflows, and even though however easy they make it sound that this is going to be business developers that are going to be doing this and this is going to be no code tool, you still need that, you know. You should be able to analyze the requirements you should be able to figure out okay what data you are trying to retrieve how you are trying to retrieve so when you have this all pre-built you don't have to put that that work and that's a lot of savings for companies that typically what they do is after they implement ere the only thing they do is write the analytical code uh, in the reports or in the spreadsheet or whatever they might be using so in my opinion, I think that's a huge value if they can do the pre-built workflows, pre-built dashboards, that can be easily modifiable. And, you know, your dashboards are going to be far more easily modifiable than your ERP reports in general. Uh, Phil, you had a comment. Yeah,
0: it's kind of related to that. The You know, the low code thing, it, it's almost, we covered a lot last week, it's almost to the point of a buzzword that you're not sure if it really has meaning. It sounds great. But, you know developing BI and this looks like a just looks like a great idea i think this is an excellent move for them but you still to to your second to your second point though you still have to lay your process flow of what information you're trying to get and what you want it to look like when it comes to the dashboard and that can be done on a very advanced spreadsheet or it can be done on a planner but you still got to get that plan done in order to make tableau or any of these work and I'm not sure where low code fits into that conversation, to be real honest with
2: you. Well, so typically the low code conversation is going to be here. You know, if you want to build these reports or the analytical dashboard, then you need to know at least the SQL language, right? So you need to hire the SQL developers who can develop these dashboards. So now the low code conversation is going to be easier. In case of BI, low code is useful. And the reason for that is irrespective of how much damage your business users are going to do in the dashboard, you are not hurting anybody the maximum what could happen is your analytics is going to be wrong. That's okay. Okay, at least you are not actually killing your ERP because if you are going to do this in ERP and they don't know what they are doing, you will end up re-implementing your ERP because they are going to mess up with your master data. And once you actually touch your master data, we all know (laughs) how that goes. So that's why...
0: that's an excellent distinction. That is really a worthwhile distinction.
2: Amazing. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, do you guys have any other comments? Uh, all right. So I'm actually going to move to the next story. And the next story is actually coming from our friends at Apteen. And we just discussed Apteen. Uh I'm still not sure what Apteen is doing. Maybe they have figured out their strategy. Uh, but they seem to be going in the reverse direction of every other company that we have in the market, which is okay, you know. Uh, if you are really going to have play in that, because maybe they figured out, you know what, I will not be able to compete with Infor, I will not be able to compete with Epicor, so how about I do exactly opposite to what these companies have <laughs> So what Epstein has done, and if you follow the Infor story, we all know what Infor had done. After Coke acquired uh, Infor, they had spun off their EAM product, uh, which was one of the top-selling products for Infor. Uh, You know, one of the most successful, brilliant product, it was rated really well by the analysts. But Coke, obviously, they were very smart that, you know, they wanted to be an ERP company. (laughs) They didn't want to be an edge company because there is a difference. There is a distinction. Uh, Now, company as big as N4, obviously, they want to go for larger wheels. They don't want to go for these tiny patches where they are partnering with the other enterprise software companies. But here, in case of that what they have done, they have done exactly opposite to what Infor had done. Meaning, they have launched their CMS product, uh, you know, EAM product in 2022. Can you believe this? Okay. So, uh, today, Apteen, a global provider of mission-critical enterprise software solutions, announced the launch of Apteen EAM, (laughs) an all-new cloud-based enterprise asset management, now, here, through a single platform to manage work orders, automate approvals, track spare parts inventory, again, very standard EM functionality, schedule preventative uh, you know, maintenance, assign appropriately scheduled labor, and conduct mobile compliance inspection. The system simplicity supports uh, rapid deployment while the user-friendly interface promotes high user adoption. Uh, here, they are also saying that the intuitive and, and modern uh, user interface simplifies maintenance operations and gives plant supervisors real time visibility into work again nothing special um, this is the standard eam functionality now let's think from the atins perspective maybe they did not really have the eam uh, you know as part of their portfolio and they are also trying to integrate all of these products together the way aticur is approaching the market the way Infor is approaching the market so maybe they didn't have that as we know from atins session their target market is that food and beverage. They process verticals. That's what they like to go after. They have a lot of presence. Their products do really well, especially two of them, uh, Aftin Ross, Aftin Process Pro. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, Andy, if I remember correctly, Just for Food or Just Food? Uh, what is the name of that? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Just Food, yeah. Just Food or something like that, yeah. So that is another one, and I think that is the add-on on top of Microsoft Business Central, But overall, they really like to go after those GTC and food and beverage vertical. That's where they are trying to create the market. So now EAM, when you think about this product, it's a very deep manufacturing product. It's a very, EAM is typically used in very discrete centric situations. They are also used in the food and beverage sector, you know, uh, larger ones. I'm not sure if the smaller ones are going to be uh, using this a lot. So it's a very interesting move that they are launching the AM, and I don't know if their goal is going to be to integrate or focus more on the mid to man managed product or really this is for the, the food and beverage But this is a very interesting move. They got, uh, you know, I think WMS, TMS recently. Now they have AM, So obviously they are trying to fill the, all the holes in their portfolio as well. I can take any comments on this story if you guys have anything. Otherwise, I can move to the next one. Okay. So the next one is coming from our friends at Zoho. And I don't think we have covered Zoho so far. So the right place for Zoho is going to be, uh, you know, they are they were primarily the, you know, accounting software like QuickBooks, uh, but they had very large presence in the small to medium size HCM sector. Okay. So the way you have Workday, Zoho was really present in that SME sector for ATM, payroll, uh, you know, uh, they had really good CRM. It's a copycat, to be honest, okay, from Salesforce, uh, for much cheaper price, uh, Salesforce obviously cost a lot more, but you know Zoho is much cheaper, it has similar feel. If you are going to switch from let's say Salesforce to hubspot the transition is going to be far more. But if you switch let's say, from Zoho to Salesforce or uh, Salesforce to Zoho, the experience is going to feel very, very similar. Okay, so that's why, uh, you know, companies like Zoho CRM a lot, uh, to be honest, especially the ones that cannot afford Salesforce. So what Zoho is trying to do, Zoho is trying to create the similar impact as Odoo in the market. Odoo has all of these apps and, you know, these guys believe that, you know what, the world is going to be of many different apps. And uh, they use a term called composable ERP. Typically, that is used in the best of breed architecture. When we are talking about these large companies who can afford to spend a lot of dollars on integration because the integration itself is a massive massive lift it's it costs millions and millions of dollars to be able to do integration when you are doing let's say ERP WMS it could be very heavy lift depending upon how much you are trying to integrate the degree of integration matters as well if you are simply trying to extract one KPI no big deal okay but if you are doing the whole integration, that's a that's a very heavy development. So what Zoho is trying to do, Zoho is trying to create the similar impact as your Odoo. Odoo has a lot of different apps. They claim that they are all integrated, and these smaller to medium-sized businesses are going to get a lot more apps, uh, you know, as part of the platform that, uh, you know, startup founders, especially if they are going to have programming background, can easily use. Uh, but in case of Zoho, Zoho has created a new creator platform uh, so the creator platform their claim is that you know what uh, there are going to be two kind of platforms in the no code space. one is going to be very IT focused, the second is going to be very business okay you don't sort of have the blend of both and IT processes if you actually look at the the core development processes, okay if you are doing any sort of integration development on top of your ERP platform as well, you need to make sure that you are following IT processes otherwise it's going to fire back okay <laughs> there is a reason why it processes exist uh you know because they have been designed to support your enterprise great systems i mean it's not just a website that you are trying to create uh, the enterprise systems have far more implications uh, overall on your infrastructure on your company so here it typically goes through a release process the devops process nothing kind of that you need to go through when you have this massive code base uh, even if it is going to be the integration code base so what zoho has done zoho uh, is trying to create the no code platform that is going to have both the flavors it is going to have the business flavors it is also going to have the it flavors so here they are saying the zoho announced the latest version of low-code offering zoho creator platform and on all, all-in-one uh, solution that bridges the gap between business users and IT. existing solutions in the market designed specifically for business users facilitate only basic app building. Lacking the complexity needed to develop end-to-end tools, which will allow organizations to scale and ensure centralized governance, which is a key uh, process. Again, Zoho's market is not the enterprise market, right? Uh, It's playing in a very small uh, business. Uh, They don't really have as much funds to be able to develop, but they are trying to bring the governance piece, uh, which is exciting. But I don't know how how much development capabilities they are going to have in that small space. So here they are saying Zoho Creator Platform supports all levels to build, manage, integrate, and analyze for a complete low-code experience, enabling 10x faster development than any other solution. Uh, Okay, any other solution if you're comparing with probably programming languages? Obviously, you know, it is probably going to be faster. But overall, uh, again, for a small business doing this much of development, especially if you are going to have other uh, solutions that are going to be offered out of the box uh, I don't see a reason why you would be developing on Zoho or, uh, I just don't see any reason uh, but you know this is there uh, you know for customers let's say if they want to utilize they are saying correctly there isn't a low code solution on the market that allows both business users and IT to truly build end-to-end business solutions uh, here they are saying Zoho uh, Zoho's creator platform combines uh, application development integrations, process automation, business intelligence, and analytics uh, into a single platform while simultaneously enabling IT teams to effortlessly manage security compliance governance challenges. Here, Phil, we were reviewing the no-code BI aspect from Apicor. Now, these guys are saying you can do business intelligence as part of this platform. You don't need a second platform. Uh, I don't know how true that is. Uh, And also, we are going to review Rootstock today Rootstock has one of the best no-code platforms. The way no-code is supposed to be designed, okay? Every single ERP vendor out there is going to claim that, you know what, I am very platform-centric. I am very developer-friendly, okay? But if I am really impressed with the no-code capabilities of any platform, that is probably going to be Rootstock, sorry. Even Acumatica claims that, you know what, they're development platform are friendly, but you need a developer to be able to develop on Acumatica. There is no way business users can pull it off. But, you know, today we are going to review these screens how the no-code platform really looks Uh, from the business user perspective. I think Salesforce has done that really well. And obviously, Rootstock is built on top of Salesforce. And that is probably the reason why everybody likes Salesforce as well as, uh, to some degree, Rootstock as well okay if you guys have any comment uh, i can take those or i can move uh to the briefing session for us okay i'm not hearing anything so rootstock rootstock has a very 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 interesting story okay obviously they are part of the salesforce ecosystem we all know that every vendor out there is trying to create their own sort of you know guarded architecture the guarded ecosystem their goal is going to be to make sure that you know, they are able to sell a lot more Salesforce license. So obviously Salesforce has their own way of funding the company in their ecosystem. Salesforce has something called Salesforce Ventures. They are always always funding, you know, developers, the apps, the marketplace, uh, you know, that can come up with the innovative ideas so that companies don't move from the Salesforce ecosystem. Now, uh, obviously Salesforce ecosystem is very crowded as well. There is no question. Uh, there is There is a lot of overlap overall in terms of, how the apps are designed, what options are available inside Salesforce ecosystem. Some of the ERP solutions that we have as part of the Salesforce ecosystem is going to be number one, the bigger one, the Financial Force. That is a much bigger company than your rootstock. Uh, financial Force, is, is they position themselves as ERP, and Financial Force actually competes uh, you know, head-to-head with companies like Workday, Uh, as well as SAP, Uh, if they are looking for a financial solution, meaning, you know, purely from the financial perspective. So these are going to be the companies that are going to be, let's say, in the professional services space or the companies that don't require the core inventory, the MRP, the operational functionality that is going to be part of your legacy. The traditional ERP. So those are going to be the companies that choose solutions such as you know Workday, which has the HCM uh, and your financials combined. You have Financial Force, where you get you know one of the best CRM, Salesforce plus Financial Force, which is actually going to do your accounting. When you are going to be using, let's say Salesforce plus SAP, uh, you know obviously SAP's goal is going to be to <laughs> to cut Salesforce loose. So obviously, Salesforce is going (laughs) to make sure that nobody gets in their deal. And that's why they have created the financial solution called Financial Force. Now, Rootox journey has always been in the form of an MRP. They started as the MRP solution on top of Salesforce. They never wanted to compete, let's say, with Financial Force because Financial Force already had the accounting. Also, there is another company in the mix called Compliance Quest, and they are very very, very deep in quality compliance and any of the regulatory standards. In fact, they are much bigger company than roots Okay, so they do very heavy compliance for the companies that are going to be in the Salesforce system. Uh, for example, pharma, med device. Uh, they utilize compliance costs a lot because you know Salesforce is going to have that that key CRM functionality that they require to make sure that. If I have a medical device, let's say if I'm allowed to sell in the US, but I am not allowed to sell in Japan, I want to make sure that I am able to limit that as part of my CRM function. Now, that becomes a very critical. Now, these these are FDA regulations that you have to comply with as part of your CPQ uh, process. So that's part of your CRM functionality that you need to comply with. So obviously, compliance quest plays a very important role because these processes are going to be inbuilt as part of your crm functionality but they do carry over uh, you know in the your operational and the the other functionality that you are going to so compliance quest has used a lot in the medical device uh, in the pharma space now what salesforce is trying to do they want to make sure that their isvs are not competing with each other right so obviously rootstock did not develop the financial functionality for a very long time so if you actually want to create an erp on top of salesforce you obviously need to get Salesforce, extremely expensive, okay? Then you need to get Financial Force, which is also extremely expensive. And then finally, the Rootstock and then a Compliance Quest, your licensing fee is going to be all over the place. And by the way, you probably would need more. If you're a manufacturing company, this is probably not going to be enough. For you, you probably need more apps, uh, you know, to, to survive. So overall, uh, you know, Rootstock is... a created for that salesforce experience. it started as the mrp on top of on top of salesforce their target market for the most part has been the companies that really care for that crm experience and typically those are going to be very customer facing organizations, and that is going to be you know companies that are in the engineer to order space that have very deep project management functionality because salesforce natively had that um, you know inbuilt as part of its core right? Salesforce had one of the best CPU. So, obviously, Rootstock tried to utilize all of these, uh, you know, feature set and functionality, and they try to create something on top of it. Uh, surprisingly enough, they have really strong MRP, okay? They also have very strong distribution functionality, okay? So, we are going to review all of that, and we are going to see where they are winning at this point of time. Personally, me, I have competed with them, uh, or competed with them, or participated in deals where they were present. <laughs> they participated in a lot of food and beverage deals, which was shocking for me, to be honest, because, you know, if you look at the product, they are not really food and beverage, okay? But they used to, and I don't know if they were afraid to compete with the discrete uh, solutions, but they have a very strong solution, to be honest, uh, okay, for the discrete market. But for some reason, they I never saw them in the uh, discrete deals that we were, we were sort of participating. Um, the other, uh, you know, we are going to review this. They are also targeting the, the cannabis business. For some reason, which is slightly more process centric, food and beverage, all of the verticals that we are gonna have are going to be discrete, but just one vertical is going to be cannabis. So we are going to review all of that, but from the briefing perspective, did we cover everything that we typically cover for rootstock, Dave, Phil?
0: Yeah, I think go so, ahead, Sam. Maybe. I oh go ahead, Phil. I uh, I was just gonna add to that. I had, Sam, I'll be really interested in this in this next half hour plus here, how they fit, because I think you covered it. And it's uh, I had a chance to evaluate these guys. We didn't end up going with them, but like you say, there's there's they're trying to fit. They were trying to fit a niche with MRP, and now that they're expanding all that a little bit, I, I'm just very interested to see how they how they fit with the other solutions that really have to be built around them in order to take advantage.
2: Yeah, honestly speaking, when I look at the solution, it looks really rich. Uh, you know, I I was surprised. I mean, I just didn't know that. It was going to be this rich, but the solution looks very rich. And I was trying to find out, okay, where, what are going to be their patches? Because if it is going to be this rich, then why are they not competing with uh, companies like Infor or Apicor, which obviously they don't compete. And obviously there are shortcomings right now. If you look at the product, I mean, you know, it's not going to be comparable with uh, Infor or Apicor but this is a great solution if you really love salesforce you want to do everything inside salesforce so we are going to review that Sam,
3: and i, mean, I, I don't re- yeah. i don't recall seeing you mentioned about uh, them showing up in some of the food and beverage uh, engagements that you've been a part of but i don't recall seeing that as one of their industries uh, that they highlight uh,
2: exactly yeah that's my surprise as well the only industry that is closest to food and beverage is going to be cannabis uh, as i have mentioned but i think they are trying to target More of the distribution, retail centric, the cannabis, not really the manufacturing. Because I just didn't see any sort of, you know, formula or any functionality that is going to be applicable for uh, the food and web business. But for some reason, for for some reason, they were competing in food and beverage. I have no idea why.
4: Yeah, I've had always had the impression that Rootstock was obviously uh, success as being off the coattails of uh, Salesforce. But their functionality regarding the manufacturer is more to long run repetitive type manufacturing
2: that could be true as well we are going to review the capabilities yes and no i would say because my understanding is that i think they do really well in the building materials space the reason why this this is their switch part is number one they have really strong cpq which is you know a, a need for the you know windows and doors uh, any of the uh, engineer to order a manufacturer that are going to have slightly more project uh, centric manufacturing. But, you know, the comment that you are trying to mention, I think the automotive is actually going to fit in that umbrella as well. But, you know, they don't do well in automotive uh, because they don't have MES. They have really strong scheduling component. I like their, the way scheduling is done. I would say this is one of the best so far that I have seen uh, the way, uh, you know, they have done these. So they might be able to work with the uh, you know, the custom manufacturing space uh, and the custom shop. And Andy, I think your next comment is going to be, which is your uh, your favorite comment, which is going to be, can you create a part <laughs> without part number? If you can do that, then this is probably going to be a really beautiful solution. I don't know if that is possible because this is the MRP solution. As you know, under, uh, I just could not find any information if you are able to do that in Rootstock. Uh, obviously, a lot of ERP systems struggle with that.
4: Uh, commonly, are very- yeah. Com- commonly, systems that are MRP centric are reliant on part numbers.
2: Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I will probably like to hear from Phil or Dave what they have seen. I mean, I my uh, you know ERP community gets very passionate when they look at the custom manufacturing, and for them, the requiring the part number is very tricky. So, Phil and Dave, from your experience when you worked in the manufacturing, did you always need to create the part? Did you have situations where you just cannot afford to create the part because the part is going to be thrown away and most ERP systems have that limitation that you cannot really create a bomb unless you have the part number. So, I mean, you guys have been in, in, in job shop. Uh, you guys have been in, in the custom manufacturing. So what is your take on this? Should you always require the part number or would you look for the ERP system that does not require uh, the part number uh, you know, for the bomb creation?
0: going to go first,
3: David? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Phil. I, I I would say from my perspective, you know, depending on, depending on the situation, I could make an argument either way. Right. If you if you have a situation where uh, you uh, don't have the ability to create the part number, or you don't need to for whatever reason, and you want to treat it as like a, you know a pre flush situation, I, I would say in some situations that's okay. In the majority of the situations, um, I would make the argument to create the part number. So uh, while 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 I feel like you could go either way with it based on the you know specifics of that exact situation. Uh, I would say more times than not, uh, leaning towards creating the part number. It's a better default. There's more controls in place. You don't have the same. You have better visibility when you go through that extra process of creating the part. And again, in my experience, that's that's what I would probably lean to. So, Phil, I don't know if you have something to add to that.
0: Yeah, so so um, if, you, if you're building the project or or building to order, there has to be some control number at the end, a project number. There's there's some there's a number out there anyway. So so I, I kind of echo off. It'll there will be before. a project
4: number. Agreed.
0: Yeah. So if, if that's all you have, so if you just say is that that's all you have is a project number that you built these individual SKUs up to for whatever was needed on that project, to me it comes down to. Uh, a lack of control. I think David mentioned that. So, so downstream, do you want to be able to recreate that? Do you want to be able to understand the costing of that on a on a on a decent uh, way of doing it? And and I personally think yes, you do, unless it's a very small job shop and you're just running you know job ops or something just to run your job shop. But I think you do want to have that be a part number for traceability, for uh, return, for warranty, for recall, for redoing the similar things that you did on that for a future job 100 reasons better costing better control uh you should have a part number do you need to have a part number to be in business no you don't you cannot do it and you can still be technically in business and and moving forward so andy i'll let you push back on that any of that (laughs) (laughs) i agree i agree with
4: both of you and sam for that matter too it depends on the specific environment if they are a true eto one-off manufacturer that does not make the same thing again, then it's a waste of time. Uh, if it if they do plan to be making that again, that product or the subassembly sometime in the future, yes, then you do want a part number. But in those environments where they do one offs, it's nice to have the alternative where you don't have to have the part number.
2: Okay, guys. So just from my fake, I mean, I have been kicked out from the premises of a company because they felt that I did not understand how their business. To be honest, okay, I have a real story. So here, and I can understand their emotions as well, why they kick me out. So they kick me out, and this is the business that Andy is talking about. So these are the SEO companies where they are going to be manufacturing, for example, signs. okay? When, when you are in the sign manufacturing, each sign is going to be unique. Each sign is probably going to have the unique manufacturing process. They might have a little bit of template, uh, but for the most part, they are going to be very unique. Uh, so in their case, their argument is always going to be in the estimating and quoting. That when I'm estimating or quoting a sign, I don't even know if I'm ever going to produce so why am I creating this part number in the ERP system but at the same time these are the companies that really care for the previous estimates if you ask any engineer okay who has any experience with the ETU estimation here is what they are going to say give me all your previous estimates otherwise I have no ability to be able to estimate this okay So how are you going to find the previous estimate if you don't really track that as the job or as the part number?
4: We all know you don't just need a part number to find historical information. These are
2: relational databases. Yes, and no, I think the costing, when your costing is going to be tied to your part, the estimations are going to be tied to that. Uh, There is a lot that goes on, I guess, at Sock, and we are going to find uh, if they have any sort of indication, if they can support that, because it seems like the solution is really designed for custom manufacturing, at, at, at least that's how I perceived, uh, you know, their solution. So here they are saying, you know what, uh, Rootstock is a modern cloud-based ERP solution built on the market, leading Salesforce cloud platform designed exclusively for manufacturers, distributors, and the supply chain organization. I think supply, they are the second ERP company that have really used the supply chain organization world. Uh, The first one was QAD, and the reason why QAD was using it, because they had a lot of vendor collaboration functionality. They also had international trade management functionality, but obviously, Rootstock is not going to have all of that, but they have used the supply chain term. So obviously, they are going after the community aspect that Salesforce is trying to invest their dollars in Slack. So obviously, that's going to be far richer communities overall from the vendor collaboration perspective. That's what uh, they are trying to go after. I found very, very, very unique elements in the CRP. And that is products as a service, okay? I don't know whether you guys are familiar with with an industry called subscription box industry, okay? That's part of your e-commerce. So in case of e-commerce, if you are trying to buy something as your e-commerce purchase, that's your traditional commerce. But the subscription box business model, what they do is, hey, I am buying a bottle of milk every week. So now what I'm going to do is, I'm going to be subscribing, just like Netflix, that $10 a month, I can order up to five uh, or six or whatever I need. So that's the subscription-based business model. That's a very unique business model. A lot of businesses are trying that, okay? And there are very few ERP systems that can really support that. And Rootstock is one of them because Salesforce can support all of these uh, business models natively. So Rootstock is trying to capitalize uh, on, on that they have claimed just like any other erp system they are built to stock engineered to order configured to order uh, project based it's all over the place they are saying that i can pretty much work with any manufacturing uh, but each solution is going to have their own strengths and weaknesses so we are going to review okay which are going to be the patches that are going to be the strongest fit for them so here the other thing that they have mentioned is they can create tailored mobile applications guys i have looked at their uh, you know mobile application it's as Slack as your Salesforce, which is a massive experience, okay? I mean, Salesforce, I would say Acumatica, you know, apps are pretty good. I have personally used them. Acumatica could be the closest that is going to be closer to Salesforce, but obviously Salesforce is one of the best, you know, because of their uh, object hierarchy, the way the native, uh, you know, mobile experience we have as part of your Salesforce. The uh, I'm pretty sure NetSuite is, is probably going to have similar, so any of the Cloud-native platforms are going to have the native mobile experience, but in case of Rootstock, their app is one of the best, okay? You don't need another WMS system. They can do that natively, which is uh, commendable. Um, they are saying add customer-supplier communities, uh, you know, when I looked at their communities, it almost looks like portals. Too. They didn't appear as communities. For me, when I look at the community, I am looking for something like Slack. Uh, okay, I can literally, you know, engage with, I can create channels, I can create conversations, I can also buy products, I can look at my invoices. That's the community experience that I am looking for. But in their case, even though they are sort of branding it as the community, but they are barely portals the way any other ERP companies are going to have the portals, I just could not see and we are going to verify that using these screenshot. All using clicks and not code, Uh, Their no-code platform is one of the best, uh, in my experience, that I have personally. Here, they are saying companies achieve maximum synergy ROI when they deploy Rootstock ERP with Salesforce CRM together on the Salesforce platform. This includes real-time connections with the Salesforce Manufacturing Cloud. Now, a lot of people are going to be confused. Okay, what is Salesforce Manufacturing Cloud and why do I need Rootstock ERP? So, Salesforce Manufacturing Cloud is the manufacturing flavor of CRM. So it is going to have a lot of processes from the manufacturing business perspective, but that is not to say that that is an ERP. It ends when your CRM processes are going to end, which is going to be code. Okay. Code is the boundary for your CRM process. Anything after that must happen inside your ERP if you are trying to create omni-channel architecture. If you are going to be all over the place, then you know good luck with that architecture. It's not gonna work as expected, but typically this is the boundary. Uh, that, you know, that works best if you're trying to create the omni-channel architecture. Now, here, obviously, you have the Salesforce Service Cloud, you have Salesforce C- CPQ, Salesforce e-commerce, okay? Salesforce e-commerce is one of the best in, in, in commerce. So obviously, they are trying to go after all of these companies and for the companies that are actually going for Salesforce e-commerce, I think Rootstock could be an amazing in general. And then you have the Salesforce Field Service and they their field service component is, is very strong as well. In general so you have these four elements along with rootstock which is an amazing combination so now your question is going to be okay what else is missing what do i need can i simply go for Salesforce and rootstock and you know every business can i host on rootstock that's exactly what we are going to review next you know what is going to be missing overall from the erp portfolio i can take any comments but here from the industry perspective you know, from if you look at the functionality, obviously it feels that they can probably work with most manufacturing, but they have identified just some verticals where they have won the logos. And that's probably the reason why they have identified only those verticals. So here they have aerospace and defense. Guys, uh, one of the things that we have noticed the clear differentiator between Apicore and Info, okay, is the quality module. That's also the differentiator between your Acumatic and NetSuite. None of them really own the quality module okay because they are not trying to go after these regulated vertical which requires quality module because quality is going to be your central piece of the process so here they rely on a vendor owned add-on which is going to be compliance quest to be able to do the quality they don't have the quality built as part of the platform so aerospace and defense if you actually click on that then you are going to see okay quality compliance quest so now that's add-on that's not native right so They are not going to be as strong on the aerospace. Now, when we look at the cannabis business, in my opinion, I think that's an outlier. Okay, they should not be targeting cannabis, uh, you know, because their product is not really designed for that. Unless they are these cannabis businesses are going for the commerce experience. They are going for, I don't know, CPQ experience. I mean, I don't know why they would go for that. Maybe there are businesses that care for CPQ uh, functionality in case of cannabis, but it doesn't seem to be a fit. A to order is the right fit for rootstock. Job and machine shops—that's a very interesting vertical. Uh, you know, there are there is a lot of competition in that space. Uh, the way they do the inventory is very different. Here we are talking about. I am very strong in MRP, and the job shops that I know—they don't do any MRP. What they don't know. do MRP. <laughs> they don't understand what inventory means. No. <laughs> uh, tell you me know,
4: something, Sam. Are you saying that rootstock does have a quality module or does not? does not. Oh, okay, so it's a bolt-on or whatever the case. But does Acumatica? Uh, Acumatica does not own
2: the quality module either. Oh, it's a bolt-on as well. But it's a bolt-on as well. Epcore yeah. obviously owns their own. Does Epicore? Epicore uh, Epicor does not own the quality module. It's, they a, it's own, a bolt-on.
4: Okay, gotcha.
2: They own the MES component, you know. Yes, Again, correct. The the, the, the the patches that they are trying to target, they are not trying to target the regulated ones. Because gotcha. their solution is, is slightly more distribution-centric. Uh, you know, when you are yes. going to have business, that is going to be manufacturing plus distribution. A manufacturing solution is not going to work. Okay, when you have core manufacturing, deep in manufacturing, that does not work in distribution. It's a, it, it, it's a really bad fit. And that's where that's where your quality is going to be really important for those businesses. So there is a clear distinction between the market, the way market is structured and the patches that these companies are trying to. Uh, So here you have the medical device manufacturer. And if you look at the manufacturer, same thing as the airspace and defense, though, exactly, exactly. And And the same thing
4: as automotive, too, for that matter.
2: Right. So the only reason why they are able to rule the medical device manufacturer, because companies that are using Salesforce, they are most likely using Compliance Quest. And Rootstock is trying to go after them. You already have two products from my portfolio. Can I buy one more? Okay, that's how they are trying to penetrate. Uh, But from the product perspective, medical device manufacturing is probably not as great fit, Uh, you know, just because they are not going to have all the bells and whistles. From the uh, ERP perspective, the only reason why they are buying is because the CRM processes are so strong that they probably would require the Salesforce and Compliance Quest. And then they are thinking that I'm already on to, how about I I take one? Sam, I have a question. Um, Yeah. I have my own opinions and I won't
4: offer them right now. But what's the value or the benefits of an ERP that includes quality versus one that requires a bolt-on?
2: Well, so it's very subjective, right, (laughs) the way you think about your processes. But the way I like to personally think is what is the critical success factor, okay, in terms of your business? Is quality the critical success factor? If that is the case, if that is make or break for your business, you better have your, you know, vendor own that code because tomorrow, let's say, if Epicor or, you know, Rootstock is going to lose the relationship or if they are not able to, uh, you know, maintain the integration, that is going to be required because, you know, you still have two different databases. You have two different contracts. You have two different vendors. Uh, We've seen that happen
4: so many times.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Acquisitions, whatever. Yeah exactly so there are a lot of different moving parts so uh, your preference should always be to go for the vendor-owned codes vendor-owned code meaning oem-owned code so the publisher that is providing the the erp system the most code they own the less risk you are going to have uh overall from your erp implementation but that is not to say that that is the only choice because you know the vendor-owned code could be you know really bad <laughs> and then you are trying to compare. If, if everything's equal, then you want to go with the one one vendor. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree with you. Overall, from the risk perspective. So we have reviewed there, uh, you know, uh, one of the highlights. From- yeah,
0: I, I, I'm compelled to weigh in on that. So that I agree that's the most important, but there's another component, especially in some of these mid-market spaces where, let's say quality is really important yeah. and you have Salesforce. yeah. The, the other wing on that is that if you buy a best in class quality module, yeah. that would be better than if Rootstock tried to get into that and put it native on their system, and that's not really what they're good at.
4: Absolutely, assuming the integration is clean.
2: So, right? that's, my comment is. two databases, be,
4: you know what the situation people
2: is. People don't realize how difficult an integration could be, to be honest, Phil. Okay, I live this space, so I know how hard integration is. Sometimes integration is harder than building the uh, people because the way the communication flows are going to work, the way your source of authority works, the way thinking flows, okay, it's just, it just a nightmare. But Sam, the marketing brochure says it's easy. Exactly. That's why I'm not in marketing, right? <laughs> okay. But Sam, but Sam you're,
0: you said it right, though, right out at the gate, just to not disagree with you on the core point. Determining what's most important for your business. And then making sure that functionality is the hu- is the center of what you're buying is super important.
2: Exactly, exactly. So here we have reviewed one of their highlighted customer. We wanted to make sure that we are understanding the kind of, you know, customers they are working with. For the most part, they are really small in general. So, you know, when you look at the offering, when you look at uh, the, uh, you know, overall screens, uh, it feels as if they can do a lot to be. Okay, they have multi-company functionality. I just could not find anything that they cannot do. Uh, So sometimes it's sort of shocking for me. (laughs) Okay, can it work with anybody? Then why are they not winning in those space? So then if you review the customer, okay, look at the customer size. So when you are going to review that, that's very small. And if their highlighted customer is going to be the sort of uh, on the smaller side, then most likely that's their play. That's their their spot. Uh, You know, it's not going to be very large companies in general.
4: Well, it's really interesting that, you know, uh, first off, 16 employees, that's amazing they can afford Salesforce.
2: 36,
4: 36. Oh, 36. Oh, pardon me. Oh, yeah, 36. Well, still, it's pretty small. Uh, But complex manufacturing, 36 employees, that's usually not in line. Yeah. Unless it's all subcontracted.
2: But companies do have, I mean, they pay a lot of money to Salesforce, and that's why Salesforce is making a lot of money in the market. So companies are fine paying it to Salesforce for some reason. They don't like to pay to the ERP. Uh, that's the reality of the market.
4: <laughs> yeah, you're dead on with that. Yeah.
2: Okay. So here we are going to review their screens. And we, uh, I always like to look at the information architecture, the way their uh, you know information is organized on the screen, because that dictates which businesses are going to be right fit for this ERP solution. So here, you know, this is a pure Salesforce experience. You can clearly see this is, you know, lightning. Obviously, lightning is amazing. There's no question about that. So you have the POPO line. It's not going to be as limiting as some of the systems that we have reviewed. Next World, you know, Odoo, as we have seen, they did not really have as rich functionality as Rootstock. Rootstock has far more organized architecture the way I personally like to see in an ERP system so this is going to be slightly similar to your academic and naturally, you know, it has all of those organizational hierarchy. For example, if you look at the order status, you know, there are multiple of them. You have multiple few lines. You have multiple contacts. Uh, you know, some systems try to limit that. Uh, you have multiple PO receipt transactions. I don't know if they can do one to end scenario. Those are typically going to be the limit as well. Uh, you know, when we look at, OK. When you are trying to consolidate the order and then going for the shipment, can you process this one-to-one or is it one to M? And that's where the real differentiator is between a baby ERP system versus a massive ERP system. They are really good at those one-to-one scenarios because when you are going to grow your operations, that's where you are going to be giving a lot of efficiency. If you have to literally print each sales order, then go and you know pick your product and then go print your label and then ship your box. In the B2C space, if you are in, good luck with that business model. Uh, you are not going to go very far. So that's where uh, the real differentiator is. So based on the, the the way their screens are structured, seems like it is very well designed from the product perspective. And the other products, such as your the we have seen in the ECI uh, portfolio, we have seen this in, uh, in case of your... Decom, I guess, you know, it's going to be limiting. I don't think it's, uh, it's as well as uh, product in those one-to-end scenarios. We have seen this limitation in case of Odoo as well. I think Odoo is a baby product for these smaller companies. But when you are going to grow your operation, that's when you are going to realize uh, the challenges. But overall, when I look at the DPO screen, I get the feeling of Netreak uh, or Acumatica, but with the flavor of Salesforce, which is phenomenal. Uh, here, this is the, uh, you know, no-code experience that I was talking about. So typically Phil or uh, you know Dave, if you guys don't have as much programming experience, if you are actually going to look at any of the no-code platform, I can almost guarantee that you guys will faint. okay? That's how <laughs> difficult it gets, okay? Here, it's very intuitive the way this is designed. It's very readable. As you can see, you are literally pulling a screen. You are designing a bunch of actions. You are doing a bunch of subflows. It's almost like a flow chart. You can do mapping of your messages, this is what I like to see in the no-code platform. A lot of companies are going to claim, including Akimatica, next week, you know, they are going to claim that they have no-code. Their no-code is, is not even close to what no-code really means. In this case, this is very intuitive for the business user. They can easily design these workflows. Obviously, they still need the programming. I don't think anybody can can design or develop on top of no code without any any programming experience, they still need programming. But this is at, at least easier to follow along. So I absolutely appreciate the no code experience that these guys have provided. And obviously, this is going to be far easier. Let's say if I want to build any sort of integration flow, I want to integrate with, you know, systems, I can easily do that. It's very, very, very. Typically, when you are going for any other ERP system, I guess, you know, you probably would need to pay a lot for your no-code platform. This is probably going to be bundled as part of the Salesforce. It is also going to be bundled as part of your rootstock license. So obviously, that, that's a huge benefit. Now, this is the community that they were talking about, okay? Now, if you actually look at it, to be honest, I mean, it's worse than your vendor portals that we typically see in very, very, very legacy platforms. <laughs> okay, so obviously, this is not as pretty. Any of the ERP system probably can do a better job than this, and they are calling this as community. It's not even close to community, that's just a marketing hype. Here, I think they have simply created the, the vendor portal, which is great, but this is going to be similar to any other vendor portals, whether you talk about Acamatic and NetSuite in 4 Epicor, they are fairly similar. They look very clunky. You are not going to get that e-commerce experience if you are a B2C shop. You cannot have this website. Nobody's going to come to your website. So yeah, I mean, I just didn't see the the e-commerce experience that I like to see uh, in the consumer-centric, uh, you know, website. So here it's just a vendor portal, or because they are trying to position, but they are naming it as. Uh, okay, this is the their uh, you know the capacity planning uh, the scheduling screen and guys i mean i'm blown away to be honest okay the way it appears it's it's one of the best so far that i have personally seen it's very well designed uh you know the way uh, any production operator would like to see in fact you are actually going to see some of the commentary later in the slice if you have time that you know people really like the production aspect of, of rootstock for some reason. okay they <laughs> like the front facing your guess is going to be since this is on salesforce everybody's going to love the front end part but they actually appreciated the production part. And I agree with them because the production part is one of the best. These screens, if you are going to look, review in any of the legacy ERPs, uh, okay, that are not cloud native, it's going to appear very clunky. Okay, this looks very modern. So obviously the production people absolutely love it. You have the work orders, you have the dates, you can uh, do the uh, capacity based on the operations, you can have the days, you can design your capacity, it's going to have your green and red. I don't know what else you are going to ask, when you look at the, the capacity. Let me ask a question, uh, yeah.
4: Sam. Um, commonly MRP-centric ERPs, when they show scheduling, it's infinite scheduling. Yeah. Is that, is that what this is?
2: Uh, most likely. The, okay. I don't think they, they have been clear in terms of whether it is finite or not, but most likely they are probably Yeah, finite. it's
4: probably infinite. Okay.
2: Yeah. Okay. So if you guys have any other comments, uh, if you can take those. Otherwise... Uh, By the way, uh, you know, on that comment, Infinite and Finite, uh, Epicor and four, they are probably known for really strong scheduling and uh, they both support the finite scheduling. Uh, So obviously the the systems that are really designed for lighter manufacturing, they probably are not going to have that. But I mean, the companies that are really strong in that, they need that because they need to make sure that they are really committing for the capacity that they have available, not just random capacity that is created. Which kind
4: Uh, of goes kind of goes opposite to the previous screen where they were saying what types of companies they chase because custom and engineered order and they usually need finite scheduling.
2: Exactly, and right now we don't have enough data to be able to comment whether they can do that or not based on these screens. I'm not seeing it. Right. Maybe they have. Maybe they (laughs) don't.
4: It's hard to. Yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah. Okay. So here, you know, one of the things that I noticed is you know they have the change company or division. Uh, you know, workflow. So that would say that, you know what, they are a multi-entity functionality. But when you are going to review the accounting features, they are not as strong in accounting because obviously until 2018, I think they were relying on financial force. They did not build the accounting. But then, you know, when you are using add-on, you are going to have all of those challenges. And they had these challenges as well. And finally, they ended up building the accounting functionality as well. But right now, they are patches. Hey, if you are using uh, financial force, I'll let you use financial force. Uh, but, you know, if you like, I mean, use my accounting as well. That's a traditional MRP play. That's how most MRP companies try to position themselves in the market. But again, they don't really have as robust accounting, accounting module. They are really the MRP, the production management solution that sits on top of us. So multi-entity functionality, I would say slightly doubtful. I'm not too sure. Uh, they can support multi-company, but really from the production perspective, I'm not too sure from the financial and accounting perspective. So here, uh, you know, if you look at the sample project that they have, you know, positioned in their sample data, typically the sample project is going to be indication of you know what kind of businesses you want to go after. So in this particular case, they are going after proof, as you can very clearly see. So obviously that's going to be their play, and from the product perspective, we all know that that's sort of their play. So they are going after these custom ETO. Home builder, you know, sign maker, you know, companies. And that's why they have this project identified. And the product looks like as if it's really designed for, um, you know, you have the uh, ECN, um, you have the scheduling, uh, you can, what, uh, you know, the way your order statuses are defined, you have the planned firm allocated ready for activity pick list. Uh, now this is not going to work for distribution. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is really for that custom manufacturing play. So order statuses, you know, speak a lot of, uh, different things from the product perspective, what it is really designed for um so uh, if I were to review this, this is probably going to be a very uh you know custom manufacturing and the engineer to order uh, centric play uh, the scheduling I think it's very 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 rich too. okay, I completely agree with your comment I'm still not seeing the but andy I do have a comment here so total capacity if you actually look at you can set how much capacity you have available for each of the machines, but that's probably not the actual capacity for each of the machine. So I don't know if it is, you know, infinite or finite, uh, but you have a room to play in terms of doing those water scenarios, you know, in terms of your capacity. So I don't know how, but it's definitely far easier to follow.
4: Maybe it's more targeted at projects, possibly? Yeah. Like work yeah. breakdown
2: structures? Yeah, that's my perception so far. That's my perception. So they have the, and they have the ECO master header, ECO master detail, engineering, uh, you know, item master, engineering item revisions. Obviously these companies are going to have uh, a lot of that you have the they have the bomb copy indented bomb that you might not see in a lot of different ERP systems. Okay, that's a and typically when you are copying the bomb, you're literally copying the whole manner a lot of uh, you know simpler ERP systems, they just don't because that's a very heavy lift overall from the operation, uh, from the system perspective. So they have that which is great. Anything else, uh, that you guys notice now you are going to notice that they have the inspection tab here. Now, inspection could be perceived as and a,
4: test too. Sorry, what's it? test as well they have inspection
2: yeah so i don't know if this code this particular piece of code is going to going to be owned by compliance because it's very hard to find out from the screen because what they could have done is they could have enabled these tests but that is actually sourced by a code owned by another vendor i don't know so it could be tricky unless you look at the contract unless you look at how these things are who really owns the code unless they write it on a legal paper it's very 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 hard to find okay once you start using the system. Then only you will know who really owns the code because if you have to develop anything on top of it, then you are going to have a lot of vendor fire fighting. They are going to say, Hey, you are not supposed to touch my table. They say, Okay, you have touched my table now, you are not responsible for support. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, so I am actually going to move to the next one, and this is the mobile experience that I was talking about, guys. I am completely blown away to be honest. I have not seen something like this. I mean, I, I think they have the QR category, uh, which is phenomenal. I mean, QR codes by itself i mean they can increase the efficiency of your warehouse by five foot just by implementing qr code you don't have to do that okay because you can literally read them from very long distance you can do crazy scenarios uh, with qr code but 90 percent of the businesses they just don't know how to implement this here you are probably going to be you know scanning each of the code one at a time qr code can store a lot of uh, you know information so if they are able to do that Phenomenal! I have not seen inbuilt as part of any other uh, ERP system so far. Uh, They have some very advanced uh, uh, functionality, such as you know lot expiration. that is also a slightly more advanced feature. So obviously they are working in that space. And the reason why they have the lot control is because you know the places where compliance quest is going to be, you require the underlying lot and serial number support. And sometimes in the pharma space, you probably require both. And there are very few ERP systems. That can support both even the the you know system such as akmatica i'm not too sure about naturally i think they are going to struggle they can support only one number okay <laughs> uh, i think uh, i'm not say that again please sam i'm sorry the, the only... so in case of pharma you require two or three numbers that go at okay. least yes so that is going to be your number. that is also going to be your serial number okay so typically, right. a lot of systems struggle with that process. And that's why you have ERP systems such as Blue Link ERP in the pharma space that really dominate that space. The reason why they dominate is because these ERP systems struggle with having the serial number and the lot number as part of the same label that you are trying to print on a product. So now, I don't know whether Rootstock can do that, but since they are operating in compliance quest space, my assumption is going to be they can probably do that. The other problem that we typically see is the pre-assigned serial number, pre-assigned lot number. That is typically very limiting in a lot of different ERP systems that don't have that. I think acumatica introduced pre-assigned uh, lot number, serial number. They did not have that. Uh, I don't think they can still do the, the serial number and lot number together. The way their screens are structured, you can have only one. In case of NetSuite, I'm not too sure. But that's a very critical piece of functionality for pharma when you are operating in those uh, uh, your erp system is not going to work because you don't have the uh, un- underlying plumbing and then you know a lot of functionality might reside in your spreadsheet or you know they might build the customer <laughs> the erp system is not their need okay so here uh, we have the multi company structure where you can do the drop down of multiple companies and division it looks pretty to be honest okay uh, based on the way these uh, chart of accounts are structured uh, but again i don't know how deep this functionality is uh their gl screen looks very neat but i would be doubtful if they are going to be as strong uh, in the financial functionality as uh, some of the other erp system because their core was always that manufacturing mrp production okay um, so we have some more screens here this is the customer screen now customer screen looks very 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 slick okay you have the warranties as you can clearly see you have the expired warranties you have the serial number date originally sold uh, but again this is not going to be the same oem warranty that your you know systems like in four will be able to support when you have these multiple products that actually go along with the warranty typically there is going to be a relationship between all of those products and how their warranty is going to be provided and who is supposed to be serving all of those warranties for example let's say if you talk about car in case of car uh, you know each of the part may carry their own warranty they might have their own serial number they might have their own life cycle for the warranty and that's where the nuances are <laughs> when it comes to the depth of the erp system and for which business it is designed for here i am not saying if it can really work for those patches but does have it does have you know warranty it does have serial number uh, but again the warranty could be very normal. As well overall from the business process.
0: Yeah, on this one, Sam, it's really interesting the combination, right? They've got AR balance, they've got they've got the warranty piece, they've got the return information, and they've got the opportunity funnel. So that it really it, it's pulling from Salesforce, it's pulling from a financial module, and it's also pulling from ERP functionality on some level all at the same time. It's pretty interesting.
2: I agree. I agree. I mean, that's the best part, to be honest. I mean, that's what I like about this system that you know you can tie all of these things together. Typically, that is very, very, very hard to manage in one system. If you are going to be integrating, utilizing some other ERP, you are looking at very expensive. Uh, so obviously, rootstock uh, is amazing in that. But again, I don't know how deep they are going to be in the the core accounting, core MRP. Now, MRP is great, but I don't know the core accounting. I think that's where I would struggle in the quality and the way they processes are structured to support let's say very complex manufacturing such as your OEM manufacturing when you are producing cars I don't know if they are really the, the right fit okay so here they are saying okay you have the line the look at let's look at the product so obviously this is the lot number item that they have mentioned you have the product configurator which is great because you know that's their core they are going in that engineer to order space where the products are not going to be as big as a car. Uh, they are probably going to be windows doors they are going to require quality but quality is not as threatening as some of the regulated spaces uh, where quality is your bread and butter then you have the commission detail so you have the salesforce comp Uh, again that's very tricky so if you look at the data structure of salesforce obviously it's very rich when you talk about the territory planning when you talk about sales comp planning when you talk about you know how to design your sales org i don't think there is any other system out there as rich as Salesforce. So you are getting all of that and then you are inheriting as part of your production. So obviously anything related to sales is probably going to be top. Uh, You know, you are looking at the enterprise data. But overall, if you actually look at the sales order, I think it's very lean. I can only see four tabs here. Typically at the sales order level, I'm looking at roughly 20 screens, you know, in the other ERP system. So there is something missing. I'm not too sure what is missing. Uh, You know, there, there is definitely, okay. So now let's go for the capacity planning workbench. So you can probably do the planning for how many hour days, but Andy, I think you are right. I'm still not seeing the, the finite capacity planning. I don't know if they have that, but you can definitely do the what of scenarios that we have seen so far. But I still like the production and the scheduling to be, uh, this is one of the best that I have personally. Now uh, let's look at some of the features that, that they are trying to claim. So they have mentioned in case of your costing, Average and extended costing. So, I don't know if they can support all of the different costings. Typically, there are going to be four or five. So, they have very clearly stepped, spelled out average and standard costing. And I don't know if it is because they're, they as we know, the accounting functionality is not as rich. So, maybe they just don't have all of those costing bells and whistles that you are going to require. I just don't know whether they can support that or not. Well, going uh, we back to
4: that comment or that screen where it had the different types of companies they target, airspace and defense. Almost always is FIFO actual. Um, You know, average and standard, again, that kind of implies more product type manufacturing than customer ETO.
2: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, maybe they wanted to sort of be concise in the marketing material. That's why they didn't want to mention everything. They might have, they might not have, but that could be one of the limitations. Overall, I think the limitation is going to be in those costing, accounting, financial workflows. That's where, that's not their core. Uh, they can say
4: quality at the bottom there, sir.
2: Tricky, tricky. Okay. So when you are going to look at this, you don't know whether that is the white label product that they are trying to source from a vendor, or so they might claim that you know because they can sell on their papers because they they might have an agreement with a vendor. But you need to really understand these arrangements. If you don't, then obviously you are going to be in trouble if they lose that relation. And again, it requires a very expert eye to be able to find these. <laughs> you really need to be able to dig into the code and screens uh to be able to find these things otherwise you'll never know uh you know your vendors are never going to tell you unless you ask them to write them on the legal paper which is very rare uh okay so they have the subcontractor management you are not going to find subcontractor management in a lot of different erp systems especially if they are designed for the distribution centric businesses this roots the way they like to position themselves as you can see they can do mrp and drp okay so that means they are trying to position for both of those so I don't know if Epicor likes to claim MRP and DRP both. They try to carry two products. Okay, one for distribution. They still they still are carrying even in the cloud world, and one for manufacturing. Because your manufacturing is never going to be the same business as your distribution. You might have a little bit of overlap, but you know manufacturing business is not same as 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 your distribution. So here my perception is going to be that you know it's going to really work for the engineer to order. It it's going to be really good fit for those commerce companies, distribution companies. But complex manufacturing, not to show estimates, quotes, I and the subscriptions. I think subscription is where uh, they have real deep functionality. By the way, license plating, guys. Okay, license plating. I don't know, Acumatica may have that, NetSuite probably not to show
4: unless you have a true WMS system.
2: I, exactly, exactly. So these guys actually have the license plating, and again, their WMS, the mobile capabilities. Are very very deep and very rich, and that's what impresses me about this product. Uh, you know, if you are buying for core distribution, you are going to get a lot out of the box. I'm not too sure about the accounting piece, the costing piece, the contracts, the the way your you know vendor agreements are done, the way your pricing fluctuations are going to be tracked inside ERP. I don't know if you can do all of that, uh, but you are going to get a lot more from the uh, you know supply chain and and the production.
0: I was so, going to mention, Sam, as you switch, when you were looking at the scanning uh, functionality, I was going to mention that, you know, that's real close to having that capability on the scanning side of license plating. So they maybe they have license plating, you know, as far as grouping, put away, things like
2: that in there,
0: even exactly. though they're not calling it out.
2: Exactly. So our assumption is that they actually have the license plating as part of their core offering, uh, which I personally have not seen in a lot of different. OK, you require a WMSS. If you want to do license plating, and license plating for most companies, even if they are going to have very small, just one warehouse, most operations managers do require uh, the license plating functionality. And that's probably the reason why, if you actually go to SAP, you are never going to find WMS functionality as part of the core ERP. They don't even test that. They don't even allow the scanning. I mean, even if you want to scan the barcode, you probably need the WMS at all. And the reason why they do that is most of the businesses that SAP is working with They probably require, uh, you know, a WMS. So if you are looking at true efficiency in the WMS scenario, then you probably require a specialized system, even if you are going to be a very small business. But if you are getting out of the box, pre-integrated, you know, as part of your automatic network, uh, as well as rootstock, that's gold for these smaller businesses. If you don't have that money to uh, to be able to afford. Uh, that integration. Device history record. I mean, some of the things that I noticed on this one, which is again, I think that is coming from uh, your uh, compliance quest. I don't know if these guys natively can support that or maybe that is actually coming from the telecom because they actually do a lot of work in the telecom. So the service component that they are going to have, they are going to have a lot of uh, you know history from the device perspective. So they are able to utilize some of that functionality. Uh, but obviously that, that's a great feature set if you're going to be very strong in the service component as well so you have the contracts you have the case management you have the field service and the customer communities and overall if you actually look at the organizational model it looks as if it's the true multi-entity solution (laughs) but i don't think it's even close uh, to competing with some of the the multi-entity erp system if you are talking about true erp system because you are not going to get the the finance bells and whistles that you are going to get in case of your NetSuite uh, acumatica Here on this one, this is the screen that I really wanted to cover as part of this one. So in this one, they are saying, hey, seamless integration with other financials, And they have highlighted Workday and QuickBooks. So this is the place that they are really trying to compete. And this we have seen in case of Plaques as well. Okay, clax likes to go with, with financial force because their accounting is not. Heavy. So all of these MRP companies that grew as the MRP, Okay, they all are trying to partner with companies like Sage & Tech, Financial Force, uh, because they have core accounting solution, right? They don't really have that production functionality. And that's how they are trying to compete with the manufacturing solution. But, you know, when you try to add two thick add-ons, you are going to get a lot of challenge. So uh, if you are getting one product in one box from one vendor, obviously that's going to be superior than buying two different products. In this particular case, they can integrate with one of the top system. But again, you have the integration. Integration is always the trickiest part in any ERP implementation in general. All right, guys, so that's it. I can take some comments from you guys, Dave, Phil, Andy. Yeah. So, uh, well, Sam, I thought this was
0: uh, you covered this one really well, and I think I I I, I think there's about eighty percent understanding of where the, my original question was. I I I think I have a better understanding of where they fit. That last slide kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop again because we went we went from all of the functionality I have, I mean, from license plating, warehouse management, multiple scanning labels on a single label, scanning on a single label and some really good production planning and scheduling, combining information from different modules to one thing. And then we ended with, well, you really need these other platforms part of the time anyway. So I'm a little conflicted. Uh, whether it's trying to be a standalone or it's trying to be niche MRP grown up with more functionality, where you really need some more stuff gathered around it. The devil's in the details.
4: <laughs>
3: Yeah, as we continue to learn, right, Andy. <laughs> I I agree with where you're at with it, Phil. I mean that uh I saw that when I was reviewing the deck earlier today and I was hoping we were gonna get to that slide because it was it was a bit of an eye opener. You know, the other kind of standout for me and and Sam you talked about it a little early on with uh their play in the cannabis space. And so uh obviously, you know, being interested in that uh in that vertical, I I I dug a little bit deeper into Uh, What they're offering was. And I think you kind of hit it early on where if they're strong on the distribution side, uh, the one particular case study that they have illustrated uh, uh, specifically in cannabis uh, is one of the largest cannabis, uh, you know, companies that's out there. Um, and so they are, um, you know, they're, they're basically growing through acquisition and they are uh, building out their entire supply chain. So that kind of play all makes sense. And it's a great uh, it's a great case study and showcase with having one of the largest companies uh, uh, utilizing your product.
4: Yeah, I, I've learned I learned a ton today. You know, I, I never thought of rootstock as being that strong of a product. And, of course, like I said, devils in details, you don't know how deep some of these things are. But on the surface, it looks and it's very attractive.
2: Yeah. Uh, Any other comments, guys? Yeah, I agree with you, Dave, especially when you talk about the cannabis business. From my experience, the only reason why they are able to go after those businesses, as we all know, cannabis businesses, you know, have had a lot of money at one time uh, after that they had to really struggle at that time they were going after you know one of the best solutions in the market just because then you have too much money you can afford to spend so yeah so that was one of the one of the reasons and uh the other reason is compliance quest okay compliance quest is really one of the best compliance and qualities. okay it's very 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 there. they also like to do a lot of development on top of that to be That I have personally seen, (laughs) you know, it's going to be a thick development. It's not going to be as out of the box as you are going to get with the some other ERP. But any ERP system is probably going to require some sort of custom development. So that could be the reason why Salesforce is able to get in in those pharma, med device, cannabis. But again, you know, from my perspective, it does not seem to be very natural fit for the food and bath. Uh, You know, it's a very discrete solution. The way solution is structured.
3: Yeah, the only comment I would have to that, uh, is specifically on the cannabis side of things, again, is the regulatory piece and some of that quality control, which is really the seed to sale regulatory pieces, all third party anyway. So that's really just, a, a you know, another bolt on, if you will. It'll be interesting for that space specifically how uh, some of the quality management uh, ultimately comes into play. I think we won't see that for some time to come. Uh, as the regulatory side kind of catches up and, and puts more of a demand uh, in that. And the other component to that is the fact that some states are still uh, only legalized on the uh, in the medical market. And so as you see this difference between what states uh, accept medical uh, versus uh, recreational, I think you'll start to see all of that stuff change. So it'd be interesting in the long term to follow that uh, specifically in the ERP space.
2: I agree. Any other uh, short comments, guys? We are close to our time. All right, guys. So that's a wrap. And uh, again, I think Rootstock is a great solution if you are really passionate about Salesforce. You should definitely take a look at that. It has very interesting functionality, uh, especially for the configure-to-order space. It could have very strong functionality even for distribution. But if you really care for that finance and accounting, make sure you are paying attention to uh, you know who is owning what in terms of the quality as well as for the accounting. Uh, On that note, thank you so much, everybody, for joining today. And if you join for the first time, uh, this was part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one uh, vendor or the solution that we review independently. And we always cover the stories from the week related to ERP and digital transformation. So make sure you are not going to miss next week's show. We are going to be here. On that note, once again, thank you, everybody, for your time. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Sam. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show for sharing their knowledge and journey i always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today if you want to learn more about nd practical head over to esoft.com it's essoft.com. dot com if you want to learn more about dave chrysler head over to the chrysler.club it's t h e c r y s l e r dot c l you be. If you want to learn more about Phil Kerper, head over to ringlingbusinesssolutions.com. It's R-I-N-G-L-I-N-G-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S dot Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Shemaz Ruiz Arl who discusses the core reasons for the low adoption of CRM systems among sales teams. Also, the interview with Daniel Breston who shares his insights into the demand generation strategies for new product development. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you. And I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS podcast. Thank you for
1: listening to another episode of the WBS podcast.